need is found in you. Thank you for the fact that we can turn to you in every aspect of our life and every circumstance that we face, and you will be there. You'll meet our needs in ways that often we don't expect or we don't even understand, but yet you provide the grace and the hope, the forgiveness, the strength, the courage to face whatever it is that's before us. Thank you for that. Thank you that it is your desire to reveal yourself to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be free to speak to our hearts, to point us toward your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that if there's anything in our hearts that would stop us from hearing from you this morning, that you would make that clear to us, and that even in this place right now, that we would deal with that. So that your voice and your truth could sink deep into our hearts and affect us for how we live for you. So we pray that your will would be accomplished in us as we open your word in the next few moments. In your name we pray. Amen. If you've been with us, you know that we've been traveling through the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's quite a little journey. And we are going to continue with that this morning. Last week, Pastor Mike was sharing in Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is known as the great faith chapter. It's that chapter where all of those characters from the Old Testament are spoken about and how they lived out their faith and how they followed through in what God had asked them to do. And it was counted to them uh, as faithful and God was pleased with how they lived their life. And Pastor Mike was sharing that a little bit uh, last week about Abraham and Sarah and waiting for a child. And and he talked and he ended last week and he was saying this, that we need to live with a patient faith or we need to patiently wait on God. And that's really what Abraham and Sarah had to do was God made this promise and there's this long period of time and they thought that it wasn't going to happen. And Abraham actually tried to do things on his own to make God's promise come true, and uh, that did not work out well for them. It has not worked out well throughout history either, and Abraham did often what we do. We know that God is at work, and sometimes we just step out on our own and say, look, God's not coming through, so I'll have to figure this out on my own. I'll do it on my own, and so we finished last week by saying, look, part of our faith journey is saying yes to God and then waiting for God to do what God's going to do. And realizing that he's in control, that he's got it, and I can trust him to do his work in his way. And so this morning we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16, and we're going to talk about this, that faith gives hope, but I want to talk to you about some phrases and a couple of words in these few verses And as Mike was sharing last week, he was talking about the fact that our faith, uh, we start our faith journey and then we wait on God and, and we're talking about the how. How does that work out in our life? What does that actually look like? And these three verses that we're gonna look at actually give us kind of a prescription, if you will. They kind of tell us how it works out in our life. What are some things that we should actually do on a regular basis for my faith to be enacted, 
for my heart to grow, for my relationship with God to deepen to a place where that faith is, it's not just something I know and I believe, but it it begins to take root deep down in my being. And if you're like me, I'm a practical guy. I like to I like to have my hands and my body in motion. I I don't do well sitting still. And so I like to know, okay, what do I do next? What's the next step? What's the next thing that I have to do? Well, these three verses kind of give us those next steps and the next things that we do. So as through this this morning, some of these are going to catch up with you. Some of you are at, or, or all of us in this room, if you're a Christ follower, we're at different points in our faith journey. Some of you are just beginning your faith journey. Some of you have been walking with God for a long time and you're a little more mature in your faith. Some of you are are maybe coming to the end of that journey here on earth and you've walked with God and you've seen God do a ton of things. But here's what can happen to us no matter where we are in our faith journey. Sometimes we walk along in our faith journey and then we get stalled. Ever been there? Right? Right? You're trusting God, you're trusting God, you're trusting God, and then, and then you kind of just go, ah, nothing's happening, and you just kind of stall, you just kind of fizzle. Well, this morning, as we go through these words, I want you to find where you are in your faith journey. And you may find that one of these words describes, or one of these phases describes where you are and kind of what the next step is for you in your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm not talking about the faith that saves us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm assuming this morning, and I don't like to make assumptions, but I'm assuming this morning that you're already on that faith journey. You've already come to the place where you understood your need of a savior. You understood that you could not save yourself. You couldn't pay the price for your sin. That's impossible for you to do. And you've come to the place where you realize that Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross. And he is your, and wants to be your savior. He paid that price. And by coming to that place where you admit your need of a savior and that you're a sinner and you can't pay that price and you knew that you needed a savior and you looked to Jesus Christ and you said, thank you for paying the price for me. I repent of my sin. I ask you to be the Lord and master of my life. Forgive me. And now you're on your faith journey. And so this morning, I'm picking you up on your faith journey, okay? So as you go with me, you're in step, you're in motion, you're marching in your faith journey. Some of you look like you're falling asleep in your faith journey. So you gotta be marching in this faith journey, all right? You gotta be with me. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, here we go. These all died. So these are the ones Mike was talking about last week. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on this earth. They all died in their faith. In other words, these people had been given promises by God. They trusted God. They knew that God was at work in their heart and their life. They knew that God was taking them somewhere. But as Mike shared with us, they didn't receive the complete promise, right? Abraham did not see his family blossom into millions of people. He didn't see it in his lifetime. 
The promise was there, but he didn't realize it. He didn't get it. He didn't get to have it in hand. He didn't get to see it and experience it, but he trusted. He knew that that promise was there. And so they all died, and they died trusting that God would keep his word. Stop for a minute before you keep going in this next step of your faith journey. I want to say something to you this morning. This is a little morbid. A little, may settle us just a little bit for a minute here. You ready for this? I got everybody's attention. That's what I wanted. We're all going to die. Yeah. And this verse says this. They all died in faith. The moment that we're born, our body starts to break down and we begin the death. We're growing and we're, our, our bodies are growing, but our, we start the death process because we're mortals. And God says that it's appointed to every one of us to die. And if you're a Christ follower here, the sad thing often in Christ followers' life is that they come to faith and they get really excited about their faith and they begin to mature in their faith and they go along in their faith journey. But often what happens to us as we age is this, and we get bitter about life. And we, saw, we see things that happen to people around us or happen to our families or maybe happen to us. And we get, begin to get to a place where we, we question God instead of having faith that he knows best. And we get at a place as we age and we watch things happen around us and we watch things happen in the world around us and we become bitter and we become complacent in our faith instead of striving to die in faith, believing that God has got this thing and he knows what he's doing and this world is his and he's not shocked by anything that's happening in it and he's got it and he's on the throne and I can trust him with everything that's going on. So I don't know where you are in that process, but we're all gonna die. And are we gonna die in faith? And maybe because of what's gone on in the world around you and what's gone on at your job and what's gone on because the world is crazy, you've become very bitter and you've begun to withdraw from serving God. It's not what God asked us. He never asked us to shrink back. He said, in faith, follow me. In faith, live for me. Die in your faith all in in your faith that God's got this. We could stop there, but we have to keep going because I have three verses. So it says they all died in their faith. And then the next phrase in there says this, that they had not received. They knew the promise. Hey, let me tell you this. We're all going to die and you're not going to get all the promises. <laughs> He's like, Tim, woo, thanks for coming today. <laughs> but it's true. You're not going to see all the things that God has promised. You will when you get to glory. But let me remind you of something. Not only are we all dying, the reason we're dying is because we live in a sin-cursed body and we live in a sin-cursed world. 
And because we live there, these bodies are breaking down. The world around us is breaking. Scripture tells us this, that the world around us is groaning. It's screaming out with the effects of sin. It doesn't like this either. I don't know how that all works, but that's what Scripture tells us, that that God created this world in a sense of perfection, and the sin of man affected the world as a whole. And all of creation is groaning with the weight of sin. And so the promises that are given of what can be and what's ahead and what's going to be, we won't get them all until we get to glory. You're not going to experience them all here. So we're all going to die. And we're not going to get all the promises. But there's better things coming. The rest of that verse says this, that these people saw in the distance. And I love this phrase. I don't know about you, but it's really cool if if you've hiked much or you've done any of that. You've been on a mountain where you're hiking up a trail and it's all wooded and it's wooded and you can't see much, but the trail's really hard. And you hike and you hike and you hike. And then all of a sudden you come out on a rock outcrop and you step out onto the rock outcrop and all of a sudden in the distance you just see this magnificent view all around you. Have you ever done that? And all of a sudden all that hard hiking that you did coming up and all the difficulty of getting to where you are that all kind of melts away because in the distance you can see what you were waiting for, right? That view. That's the picture here. He says this, look, When we come to faith and when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the promise that he's given us is this, that we will be his children. Remember, we've we've said this over and over. Not only are we his child, but he gives us a place at his table. We belong in the family. We're part of the family. He sets a place at the table for me and for you. And I belong in all of the goods of the family, all of the inheritance of being part of the family. That's mine. I get it. It's mine. I belong. I'm part. And in the distance, I can look ahead and I can say, there is a day coming when all that is the Father's, I will realize and I will get. Wow. That's what he's saying. He's saying this. Look, they looked in the distance and they saw what was to be theirs. And they lived for it. Now, here's the problem with the culture we live in today. We live in a culture that is telling us all the time, you deserve what you want when? Okay, let's say that again, because you've, you've seen enough commercials, you know this. You deserve what you want when? Now. That's a lie. You don't. You don't deserve it now. Can I say something that is really counterculture? If you don't work for it, you don't deserve any of it. Woohoo! It's true. It's true. We're living in a day and age where everybody wants to be given everything and they don't want to do anything for it. That's not how God does this. Now, I'm not talking about working for our salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you need to look into the distance and see where it is that you want to go. And let's get really practical here. Let's talk about your finances. Let's talk about your health. Let's talk about the job that you're in. Let's talk about your family. 
You want to look ahead with your family and go, that's where I want my family to be. And then you need to take the steps that are necessary to get there. That's what this verse is talking about. They looked in the distance and they said, in order to me, for me to be found faithful with God, this is the person that I need to be. And I've got to walk these things out over the next years of my life to be that person and be found faithful as that person. And folks, if you want to do that in your own personal life, then with your finances, you need to make a plan with your finances. You need to get yourself on a budget. You need to look down the road and say, look, I want to have these things in order in my life. And you need to start walking that out every day in your life. You want your family to be a godly family? Then you sit down with your spouse and you say, look, for us to be a godly family, we need to get around the Bible and we need to read the word of God together and we need to pray together on a regular basis. And we need to figure out what it looks like for our kids to learn who God is and to get that digested down into their little hearts and their little minds and to to have that that's a normal part of their everyday life. And we as the mom and dad of this family need to live that out on a regular basis and we need to pray for our kids and we need to make choices that our kids see we're honoring God and not ourselves and we're putting God first. That's looking in the distance and going, that's where I want to end up, and this is how I get there. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and and you're going, man, I'm so discouraged with where I am in life, but think back to how you got there. You made choices to get where you are. It didn't just happen. And the cool thing about that is it doesn't matter how old you are here today, you can make choices to change that back. They looked in the distance, and they saw where they wanted to go, And they were okay with that. I love these next couple of words here. We got to move. It says this. They greeted what was to come. That word greeted there in that verse means they welcomed what was to happen. They gave assent to it. They were okay with the process that was in front of them. Here's often our struggle in life is this. We look ahead and we say, that's where I want to go, but I don't want to do the work to get there. (laughs) No way. Maybe somebody else will do it for me and just carry me. They greeted what was to come and they did the work. And then it says this, they confessed. The end of that verse says, they confessed that they were foreigners, that they didn't belong, they were strangers. They didn't belong in this, they were temporary. And their desire was for a different place, a better place. They don't belong. Hey, folks, if you're a believer here in John 17, Jesus said it this way. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they were not of the world just as I am not of the world. But I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them also into the world. Folks, if you're a believer, you do not belong to this world, but you're here on a mission. Don't get comfortable here. Don't spend all your time and your energy figuring out how you can have the best of everything here. Your mission is to honor God. You don't belong. You are a foreigner. You are a stranger to this world. This world should seem odd to you because your home is holy and your home is pure and your home is with God. And so he says this about these people. They confessed before all I don't belong here, but I'll live here because that's where you placed me. Hey, believer, 
Do you feel like you belong here in this world? I hope not. I hope this feels odd to you. I hope that the Spirit of God has taken up residence within you and the truth of the Word of God has taken such deep root in you that the things that are going on around you feel super uncomfortable to you because you don't belong. You're a stranger in this place. That's how these people felt. And instead of belonging, Jesus said it this way about, or he had Paul say it this way in Colossians 3. He said, so if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on these earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, look, where your mind, where your citizenship, where your home is, it's with Christ. Get your mind where it belongs. Get it off the world. Get it up where it belongs. Get it on Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something that when that happens in your life, When your eyes and your heart are on Jesus Christ, you look at the people around you differently. You look at your job differently. You look at your kids differently. You look at your mission differently. And all the things that are blurry about your life right now become incredibly clear. Because all of a sudden you see people as Jesus sees people, as God sees people. Folks that are created in the image of God, but scarred and marred by the effect of sin. Trapped by the chains of sin in their life. That's what you start to see. And you start to care for people in that way. They're not an annoyance. They're not a pain. They're people in need. They're people who are hurting. They're people who are lost. That's how Jesus sees them. He cares for them. It changes my perspective. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners and that they belonged somewhere else and they saw the world differently. What did they see in the, difference, in the distance? What did they greet? What did they confess? They confessed the promises of God in their life and God's promise to his people as we looked in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 is this, and I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be their master. I will be their Lord. And you will be my children and my people. You will serve me and live for me. What a place to be. Folks, that promise is the same for you and I today. Exactly the same. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. He says this, Now those who say such things, those who make that confession, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland If they are thinking about where they came from, they would have the opportunity to return. Now, stop for a minute. People who confess that God is their God, and I'm looking in the distance for what God is doing, people who say those things live differently. I don't know if you've ever read the book by James Clear that says it's Atomic Habits is the name of the book. But James Clear writes this. He says, look, the only way you change the habits in your life is if you begin internally by saying, I am the type of person who, now let's say it was exercise, you begin to qualify who you are and you say, I'm the type of person who gets up in the morning and exercises. Is that you? <laughs> don't, don't answer, it's fine. <laughs> and then I am the type of person who, after I exercise, I eat a healthy breakfast. Part of the change of my habit is understanding internally who I am, okay? 
Now, I don't know if James Clear is a believer or not, but I know this, that that's a very biblical truth. See, when I become a believer in Jesus Christ, positionally, the moment that I say yes to Jesus Christ, positionally, I am his child. That's what scripture says. That is what God does. He takes me and he saves me and he makes me one of his own. And scripture says that he seals me until the day of redemption. I am his. Now, practically, you may struggle with that, right? You may get up some days and you're struggling in your walk with God and you go, man, I feel very far from God. I don't know. I don't know about this. And so practically part of what we have to do internally, see, all of us have a story going. Right now, you have a story. Hopefully you've stopped the story to listen to me for a little while. But in your head, you have a story that plays all the time. And that story is telling you who you are. And you, when you meet people, you have a story about what they think about you. You have a story about the fact that they're probably thinking about you a lot more than they're actually thinking about you because we're really self-centered and that's what goes on in our minds. We have a story about our job and what the people at the job think about us. We have a story about the, all the stuff that we're doing. It's always going in our head. And the problem with that story is it's our story. And we need an editor to step into our story, and that editor can be the Holy Spirit. And so positionally, I'm a a child of God, but practically, working that out practically, often the story in my head leads me away from that. And so I need to be the person who says this, who says, I am a child of God, and today I will live as a child of God. That is a decision and a choice that I'm going to make. And I'm going to change the story. And I'm going to do that every day of my life. Why? Because because I am a child of God. God has saved me. He has kept me. He has promised that in my life. And so I have to change the story that's being played out in my head. And that's what this verse says. These are people who say that in the distance, by faith, I trust and I follow God. And then they didn't just say it. They made it clear. They made choices throughout their life, every day of their life, that said, I'm following God. I'm living for God. I'm doing what God wants. They made it clear in their life. That's what that verse says. It says, those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. How clear is it in your life with the decisions that you've been making that you're a Christ follower looking to heaven? In this last week, if someone was following you around watching everything you did, would they look at you and go, man, it's so clear this world is not their home. Man, it's so clear the decisions that these people made this week, they love Jesus. Man, it's super clear that God, through the Holy Spirit, has got a hold of their heart and he's changing them. They made it clear. This is the decision I make. And I'm seeking a home with God. Philippians chapter 3.20 says this, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I live my life anticipating where my citizenship is, heaven with God. Don't look back. Don't look back. That's the end of the verse. He says this, Don't look back to your former life. 
Don't get sucked back into what you had, what you were, who you were. Look ahead. Look in the distance to what God has for you. Verse 16 says this. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Their desire stayed true. They desired a better place. There was an overarching direction of their life, and that direction was pointed toward God and toward heaven and and toward the eternal glories and the eternal promises that God gave them. What's the direction of your life? What's the desire of your life? If someone were to hang out with you on a regular basis, would they say the desire of this person's life is to know God and to have other people know God through them? Would that be it? That's the desire here. Now I need to stop before we end with this. And I have a minute and 34 seconds to do it. I'm joking. These faith characters that we were talking about, that Mike was talking about, in case you get the wrong idea, they weren't perfect. They didn't have it all together. They messed up. There was major points in their life where they didn't trust God. There were major points in their life where they blatantly sinned against God. We don't know the entire story. We know snapshots of all of these characters' lives. And we see events that happened in their life that were pretty amazing, where God did some pretty incredible things in their lives. And they said yes. But we don't have the history of their day-to-day, and we don't always know the time period between when they said yes and they said no, and then they said yes again. We don't have all that. And I pause this morning to tell you that because sometimes it's very discouraging for us because we want to live for God and we want to walk with God, but we realize that we fail. Do you ever fail? Do you ever fall short? Do you ever look back at the end of the day and you go, man, my plan was to do this for God today and I didn't do any of it. I didn't follow through. I didn't do what he asked. And often we can beat ourselves up and we can want to give up and we can get at the point where we just say, look, I don't have the energy and I don't have the courage and I just can't do this. What I love about this passage is knowing what I know about these characters and knowing what I know about their short comings and their failures and their sin it says their desire stayed true the overall desire of their heart was to live for God and when they failed they repented and they started again Can I tell you something this morning? That's what God wants of me and of you. The overall desire of my heart is to serve God 100% all the time. God, I really want to do that. I want to honor you. That's, That's true. That's my desire. 
And when I fail and when I sin, it's to repent quickly and say, God, get me back on track. God, help me to live for you. God, help others to see my life be an example of the goodness of Jesus Christ and see Jesus Christ in me. And that's what these verses tell us. There's very practical steps. And those steps are this, that as a Christ follower, I yield my heart and my life. I look ahead to what God has for me. I confess in my being, I am a foreigner. I am a stranger. I don't belong. God, my desire is to grow and mature and become more like your son, Jesus Christ. It is my desire to live for you each day and to put you first. That's what I want, God. And those are incredibly practical steps. And guess what? They happen every day. It's a choice that I make minute by minute, hour by hour, every day of my life. What's the desire of your heart, believer? What's the desire of your heart? This morning, we're going to continue our thought about this. We're going to celebrate communion. See, communion is one of those times when we get to be reminded of the incredible price that was paid so that we could look forward in the distance to what God has for us, the fulfillment of his promise to us. We get to stop this morning for a minute and say, thank you. God, thank you that you loved us so much. You were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf that Christ would go to the cross, that Jesus would pay the price that I could not pay so that I could have a life that I cannot afford and I can have a relationship that I broke and I could not repair. Only Jesus Christ could. And it gives me a chance this morning to look into the distance and say, I can't wait for those promises to be fulfilled. Can't wait to get there. And God, by your grace and by your mercy, I will take the steps necessary to live out that life, to honor and grow more like your son, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 25 say this, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and after supper, he said, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so this morning, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. And we're gonna, it's going to be passed out to you. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to take that. And as it comes by and you collect that, I want you to stop for a minute. And I want you to be reminded of who you are in Jesus Christ. Positionally, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're his child. You've got a seat at the table. That is yours. It's guaranteed. But I also want you to stop for a minute and practically think about how you're walking that out. Before you take that bread and before you take that cup, how are you living that out each day? What parts of your life have you been holding on to and saying, God, I'm in, but I kind of got this one figured out. What parts of your life have you been saying to God, God, I get it, you paid the price, but I don't know if I can trust you here. 
And if there may be one or two of those areas, would you stop before you take that communion this morning? And would you confess that to God? And would you just be honest and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm lacking faith in that area of my life. God, would you forgive me? Would you do that this morning? And then celebrate. Celebrate the grace and the forgiveness that is yours in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So as those come, I'm going to just have you take them as they go by. I'm going to pray right now for both the the bread and the cup. And when you're ready, as the band leads us, when you're ready, you go ahead and you take both of the elements. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the reminder that positionally you did everything that we need. You paid the price. You made a way for our relationship with you to be restored through Jesus Christ. You offer that freely to all of us. If we're willing to repent of the sin that's in our life and we're willing to admit the fact that we fall short, you said whosoever will may come and you'll receive them. Thank you for that. God, thank you for the practical steps that we have that we can look ahead. We can make choices. We can do things in our daily life that cause our faith to grow. And that caused us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so now, Father, as we celebrate communion, as we take the bread and we drink the cup, draw our hearts and our eyes to you. Help us to see Jesus and only Jesus. Remind us of what you've done for us. Encourage our hearts and our faith. Put our eyes on you. Help us to see in the distance what is ours. And then give us the courage to walk our lives that way. I pray that you would be pleased with our celebration of communion this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, as we leave this place, thank you for the reminder of the love of Jesus Christ for us. Thank you for the hope that we have at a better future, a better home. Thank you that we belong at the table. And thank you that in the middle of all the struggles that we're going to face, even this week, there's hope. Thank you for the promise that everything we need is provided through your Holy Spirit. We're not left alone. So God, go before us this week. Help us to live out the promises that you've given Help our desire to be found in you. Help folks to see Christ. May you use us for the glory and the growth of your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.